Your first name means Nobel, and your last name means famous warrior," explained the cat. Al looked down at his paws. Well, I'm not living up to me name. I'm a nobody, fraidy warrior. Welcome to the Epic Order of the Seven, the podcast, with your hosts Max and Liz. This podcast is brought to you by Playful World Ministries. Max, Liz, and all the characters and adventures of the Epic Order of the Seven were created by and written by Jenny L. Cody. Oh, and by the way, as you listen to this episode from the audiobook *The Ark, the Reed, and the Fire Cloud*, keep in mind you can download your very own copy of it by visiting www.audible.com, and you can find the entire collection of the Epic Order of the Seven on Jenny's website www.epicorderofthe7.com. That's epicorderofthe7.com. On today's episode, we'll hear Chapter 18 from the Ark, the Reed, and the Fire Cloud. And each week, we'll take a visit to Jenny's Corner, where we'll get to hear from Jenny Cody herself, the creator of the Epic Order of the Seven. Jenny will give us the inside scoop on all her stories, her inspiration, how she comes up with these great ideas, and much more and she'll read letters from her loyal listeners, maybe even yours. Well, let's get started, shall we? Here's Max and Liz. Greetings, lads and lasses, Max here, with me dear, sweet, neat, and petite kitty friend, Liz. Oh, merci, Max. And she's a smart kitty, too. Uh, well, uh, merci again. Downright brilliant. All right, Max, what is up? Uh, what are you talking about? The question is, what are you talking about, eh? Why are you being so nice to me? What? Can't a good doggy be nice to a smart kitty, then? Well, down through the ages, it has been known to be a challenge. Uh, hence, we have the old adage, uh, fighting like cats and dogs, a phrase that can be traced back even to Shakespeare's time, as he uses... See how smart she is. Okay, Max, you set me up, we. So, knock it off. I am flattered, but uh, whatever you are selling, you are overselling. All right, then. It's just that we're to the place in the book where, well, this might be a bad memory for you. But, Max, I haven't even been in the book yet, have I? Well, no, but... So, how can something be difficult to remember when I have not had the opportunity to forget it? Um, uh, what? Exactly. Just bring everyone up to speed, eh? Well, then... Okay, it's like this. Kate and Al and I were making our way through France. Ah, vive la France! Aye, and uh, we were following the fire cloud just like the maker wanted us to. And it led us to a bunny of a garden, filled with all kinds of ripened vegetables and... And what? Um, uh, Mr. Announcer Lad, uh, take over for me then! Sure! And I thought we met the chickens last time. <laughs> ah, jolly fella. Just read, then. Oh, don't worry, uh, Maximilian Braveheart. I got it. Chapter 18. A Brilliant Encounter The quiet hummingbirds looked over and noticed a petite, jet-black cat sitting up on a ledge, her back to the garden, bathed in the warm orange glow from the fire cloud, listening. She furrowed her brow in response to what she heard. We, oui, you want me to leave my garden, the petite cat said. She paused a moment. You know how hard I have worked on it. 
I carefully planned each row. I tilled it, planted it, weeded it, and nurtured it. And now I am enjoying the fruits of my labor, no? Please do not fault me for wishing to enjoy it. The small cat sat for a moment longer, listening before responding. May we? Yes, Mekel. We will gather the seeds. Oui. Je comprends. I understand. The cat then turned and gazed at the garden below. She just sat there, watching the scene with deep golden eyes, studying all the players involved, observing the condition of the garden, her tail twitching from side to side as if perturbed. Yet, she appeared calm and collected. Rudy and Rosie buzzed over to where the cat sat, asking if she knew the mademoiselle and how she would react when she discovered her garden was destroyed. We, oui, I know her quite well, was all the cat said in reply as she looked at the two hummingbirds with great interest. Your accent's Spanish, I believe? She inquired as she began to walk down the ledge, jumping onto the path below that led into the jumbled mess of the garden. Rudy and Rosie flew after her, hovering just above her ears. The cat's ears twitched back, as if being lightly touched by the breeze their little wings made. See, si, senorita, we just flew in from Argentina. My name is Rudy, and this is my wife, Rosie. The petite cat came closer to the hen, the rooster, and the pitiful orange cat. Argentina! Ooh la la! This is a great distance for one so small to fly. C'est impossible, the cat replied as she kept walking. Oh, but it's true. We heard the maker call us to follow the fire cloud, and somehow we made it across the great sea, Rosie said. The cat stopped in her tracks and looked at the tiny birds with a wrinkled brow. She tilted her head to one side as she studied them, yet said nothing. Onward she walked, as the little birds quietly followed behind, looking at each other and shrugging their tiny shoulders. She stopped from time to time, inspecting the damage to various plants, shaking her head with a pfft muttered under her breath. Jacques looked up and saw the cat walking toward them. He walked over to meet her as Henriette continued to scold Al. Al didn't realize there were so many ways to tell someone they had done something wrong. He felt heartsick as well as stomach sick. Je regret. Your garden is no more, but Henriette has scolded the one who did this, said Jacques to the cat. Rudy and Rosie looked at each other and said, Mademoiselle? Oui, allow me to introduce Mademoiselle Lisette Briand, said Jacques to the hummingbirds. The black cat walked over to where Henriette continued to rake Al over the coals and said, Sass your feet, Henriette. That's enough. Henriette turned to see Mademoiselle sitting calmly, looking directly beyond her to Al, who was crouched down and shivering in the dirt. Mademoiselle, you see what Le Chafou has done to your precious garden? I saw the whole thing, Henriette blurted out in her gruff tone. Liz looked at Henriette and replied, Oui, Henriette, you have done a fine job of scolding the crazy cat that did this. I will handle it from here. 
Jacques looked smugly at Henriette, who ruffled her feathers once more before walking over to the rooster, still mumbling under her breath in French. Al's eyes were closed. He was afraid to look at the Mademoiselle, who surely would be a creature to be reckoned with. Mademoiselle, I can explain. Please do not be angry with me. I'm just a tired, hungry fool of a kitty who needed something to eat. Your garden was so delightfully captivating that I just jumped right in, and all of a sudden I were tearing the place apart. I do not know what got into me, lass. I'm sorry, groveled Al, eyes still shut as he trembled with remorse and fear. Nepeta Catalia, is all Mademoiselle replied with a calm, certain voice. Al stopped shivering, daring to open one eye to see what the Mademoiselle looked like after answering him with such a strange word and in such a calm manner. There before him stood not a horrifying mad creature, but a gorgeous black petite female cat with deep golden eyes. There's no need to call me names, lass, Al said, holding his side. The sight of this incredibly beautiful creature calmed his heart. She did not appear to be mad, nor likely to destroy him on the spot. Nepeta Kataria is what got into you and caused you to become la chafou, or crazy cat. It's the autocultural term for catnip. This is a wonderful herb that all cats love, but should be taken in moderation. If a cat eats too much, he will go wild, which is precisely what you have done, responded Mademoiselle in almost a matter-of-fact tone. Henriette was incensed. Mademoiselle, why are you not furious with him? Aren't you going to continue scolding him? No, you have scolded him enough for both of us, I think. We, I am upset, of course. My masterpiece is destroyed, no? But the destroyer has been scolded and is sorry. Further scolding will not accomplish anything. This was not an intentional act, but resulted from too much catnip. And as you can see, there are consequences for such poor behavior, answered Mademoiselle. Jacques continued to smile smugly, taking great satisfaction from seeing his hen-pecking wife put in her place. Finally, Henriette was speechless. Mademoiselle looked at Al's pitiful condition. Despite his sloppy appearance and his cowardly manner, there was something endearing about him. He was vulnerable and dopey, yet humble and genuinely sweet. Uh, what is your name, monsieur? Mademoiselle asked Al, as she calmly sat and studied him. Al, catching his breath, looked up at this mystifying cat and said, Albert Aloysius, I'm sorry. Mademoiselle looked at Al with doubt. Pardon? Your name is Albert Aloysius, I'm sorry? What kind of name is this? Oh, no, 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 lass. Only the first part is me name. The last part is how I feel after ruining your lovely garden. I feel so sorry and sick, and I just want to make it up to you. Ah, oui, I understand how you must be feeling. But your name, Albert Aloysius, do you know what it means? 
I can tell you Irish, but your name is not, said the black cat. Me mum never told me what it meant. She only said I were named for a long-lost uncle who she loved, replied a humble owl. Your first name means Nobel, and your last name means Famous Warrior, explained the cat. Al looked down at his paws. Well, I'm not living up to me name. I'm a nobody, Freddy Warrior. The black cat walked over to Al, lifted his chin with her paw, saying, Sometimes we must grow into our names, no? Do not dismiss yourself yet, mon ami. The fact that you feel bad for what you've done means you have character and integrity to admit your mistake and a desire to make it right. Many creatures do not do this, so I believe you are at least noble. Give yourself time for the other meanings to grow. Al smiled at this beautiful cat. She not only wasn't going to destroy him, instead she was lifting him up to a place he had never been before in his heart. He was noble. This cat, whose garden he destroyed, believed him to be noble. Was he dreaming? Thank you, Les. Uh, I mean, uh, Mademoiselle. You don't live up to your name either, but in this case it's a good thing, methinks. You don't seem mad at all, replied Al with a heart full of gratitude. The black cat looked at Al and began to giggle. Henriette looked at Jacques in disbelief. Never had she known Mademoiselle to laugh like this. In fact, Mademoiselle never showed much emotion at all. She was always so intellectual. Why was she acting so strange? Henriette was ready to open her mouth when Jacques got right in her face and told her not to peep a word. Rudy and Rosie grinned at the turn of events below. Something lovely was happening, despite the destruction of the garden. Oh, Albert, you make me laugh. Mademoiselle, not mademoiselle. It is a French term for your word, uh, lass. It is not my name. Nor does it mean I am mad, <laughs> said the black cat, still laughing as she spoke. Al, feeling silly, laughed anyway at himself. <laughs> I, maybe I am La Chafou. <laughs> what is your name then, lass? I am Lisette Briant, but you may call me Lise, replied the black cat uh, with a smile. Henriette jabbed Jacques in the side. Mademoiselle never told us to call her Lise. But then this imbecile comes crashing through her garden, and she laughs and tells him to call her by her first name. Je ne comprends pas. It is not important for you to understand. Nor is it any of your business, Henriette. No, be quiet, said a firm Jacques, ruffling his tail feathers to finally assert his authority over his mate. Aye, lass. "'Tis a beautiful name. What does it mean?' asked Al. "'Merci. My first name means the maker's promise, and my last name means illuminated or bright. In other words, intelligent,' replied Liz. "'Well, it is true. You are a very smart lass, the smartest I've ever met,' said Al, feeling better in his heart all the time but feeling far worse in his belly. 
Albert, you are looking as green as Ireland itself. Let me get you something to eat, suggested Liz. Oh, no, lass. Me belly feels like it could explode, and part of me wishes it would. I can't eat anything more, said Al, holding his stomach. Liz walked over to the edge of the garden and pulled some leaves off a plant that had been trampled but not eaten. She carried them over to Al and laid them gently in his lap. Menta eats pepperita, peppermint. Eat just a small amount to ease your stomach. Then rest a while. Later, we will discuss this mess, said Liz as she looked forlornly around her once magnificent garden. Liz slowly walked away from Al, up and down the rows she had so carefully planted. Henriette followed Liz, uttering suggestions for how Al should be dealt with. Liz politely ignored the bossy hen, examining each plant and studying what could be salvaged. Rudy and Rosie hovered above the two but remained silent. Jacques walked over to Al. Go ahead, mon ami, eat it. Mademoiselle knows what is best, said Jacques with warm encouragement before turning to join the others. Al took the peppermint and slowly lifted it to his mouth. The last thing he wanted to do was eat another bite, but he felt he had better do what Liz said. As he slowly chewed the mint, the sick feeling in his stomach eased. His eyelids drooped, and he soon fell into a deep slumber. He dreamed of being a warrior, fighting off mighty beasties, wielding a carrot. Oh, Al was so cute. He was. Lying there, sleeping off all that food and catnip. So, it looks like we were overreacting to how you might feel about your garden being destroyed. Uh, who is we? Well, me and, 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 and the chickens and the announcer lad. Now, don't drag me into this. Gentlemen, uh, relax. As we saw in today's chapter, I was already being nudged away from my garden by the maker himself. Al just gave me a less to worry about leaving. Uh, well, now that's, uh, that's a pretty wise, I mean a, a brilliant way to look at it then. For as I like to say, when life tosses your vegetables, make a salad and feed it to the cat. A uh, we, uh, what? No, I would not uh, put it quite like, uh, uh, see Max, you are not, uh, I mean, uh, perhaps you shouldn't try to, uh, okay, I will say it this way. The next time you try to dig deep, I use only your front paws. Ah, oh, you can count on it. And here's someone we can always count on. Miss Ginny Cotty, for it's time for Ginny's Corner. Ah, oh, Max, you are saved by the bell. The southern bell. <laughs> uh, Miss Ginny, I understand you have a letter today. Who is it from? From a grandmother. Hello, my name is Marty Cassidy. And I am so thrilled to have your book series on Max and Liz and the Epic War of the Seven for my grandson. My 10-year-old grandson is a voracious reader and has already consumed all of the books except for the last three. My question is, is it possible to pre-order all of the future books in the Revolutionary Saga? I don't want to miss any of them. His love of reading is such a joy to see. We both share a love of books and especially history. And the fact you have gospel truths interspersed within your books is a blessing. Our son is active military duty, um, so 
your books have moved around a lot, which is why I buy the books and have them sent to me so I can forward them to the boys for them to enjoy. Wade, the 10-year-old, can read one of your books in two to three days. Once he gets started, he immerses himself in the storyline and doesn't give up until he is forced to put it down to eat, bathe, or sleep. Now that he's out of school due to the virus, I'm sure he's finished all that he has on hand and is waiting for me to send the next two books that I have. Please let me know if it's possible to pre-order all of them. Well, Marty, thank you so much for wanting to pre-order all of these books. However, I only have the first eight that are up for order. And as book nine becomes available for pre-order, I will certainly have that up on my website and on my Facebook page. But Here's the deal. If you subscribe to my Epic e-newsletter that I send out periodically, you can go to my website, epicorderoftheseven.com, and on the tab that says contact, you can uh, sign up for that, and you'll be sure that when a new book is available for pre-order, you'll get an email right in your inbox so you won't miss anything. Thank you so much for sharing how these books have impacted you and your grandsons, and I hope you'll keep reading. And that goes for you, too. If you haven't subscribed to Jenny's Epic e-newsletter, once again, here's how. Go to her website, epicorderoftheseven.com, click on her contact tab, and sign up with your email address. That's all there is to it. And that's all there is for today's episode. Join us next time as we head back to Liz's garden, uh, what's left of it, and we find out what a deep thinker Liz really is. See you then. Once again, the Epic Order of the Seven, the podcast, is produced by Playful World Ministries, and the Ark, the Reed, and the Fire Cloud was written by Jenny L. Cody. To purchase your copy of the Ark, the Reed, and the Fire Cloud on audiobook, log on to audible.com. And for all the amazing books by Jenny L. Cody, the entire collection of the Epic Order of the Seven, log on to Jenny's website, www.epicorderoftheseven.com. That's epicorderoftheseven.com. See you next time on the Epic Order of the Seven, the podcast. And I'm Denny Brownlee. Thanks for joining us. Have a grand day. Au revoir, mes amis. Thanks for listening. <laughs>